today. NATO rejects Ukraine and Zelensky cries about it on Twitter. Dylan Mulvaney flees the country for Peru and California groomers reject a bill to make human trafficking a serious felony. Huh. We've got all of that and more coming up and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez and in a slight yet somewhat shocking change of rhetoric from the Biden regime, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan took a jab at Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky while responding to a Ukrainian woman's question at a NATO summit forum. And the woman anti-corruption activist Daria Kalinuk had quite the entitled tone asking why Biden was scared of Russia and what she, she should tell her son should he have to go to war. Watch. On Friday, I will be back in Kiev. Uh, Jake, please advise me, what should I tell my son? That President Biden and NATO didn't invite Ukraine to NATO because he's afraid of Russia, afraid of Russia losing, afraid of Ukraine winning, or there are back-channel communications with Kremlin, which is terrorist organization, to reach the Minsk Three deal. Should I prepare my son to be a soldier and fight Russians when he will be 18 years and seven years? Sullivan, perhaps accidentally coming to the defense of the American people, pushed back on the activist, insisting that the U.S. deserves gratitude for, you know, the $46 billion in military aid already sent to Ukraine and dispelling what he said are conspiracy theories. Watch. There has been a lot of conspiracy theorizing that simply is not based on any reality whatsoever. And... Also, I would just say the American people have sought in watching and wanting to stand in solidarity uh, with the brave and courageous people of Ukraine to step up and deliver. And I think the American people do deserve a degree of gratitude for, um, uh, from us, from the United States, from our government, deserve gratitude for, for their willingness to step up and, and from the rest of the world as well. Now, this exchange comes only one day after a Twitter temper tantrum was thrown by Zelensky, who blasted the U.S. and other Western nations for what he called an unprecedented and absurd delay in Ukraine's entrance into NATO, which, you know, like little minor detail would, of course, prompt a full-scale World War III. But that's just minor detail there. For reference, the U.S. is by far the largest donor and supporter to the nation of Ukraine, again, having put up over the $46 billion in funding, with the distant second place being Britain at a measly $9 billion. And while American taxpayers have been forced to foot the bill for Ukraine's military expanse, which has, by the way, just so we're clear, involved the funding of neo-Nazi militia groups, we have simultaneously faced out-of-control inflation, crumbling infrastructure, and an all-out invasion at our own southern border because I guess the Biden regime can only focus on one border at a time. They just chose the one halfway across the world. With Biden forcing us to play Zelensky's sugar daddy, it is at the very least nice to see his administration request, I don't know, maybe a thank you. Maybe if he could muster up an ounce of gratitude for the support that was never owed to him, he wouldn't be standing at that summit in that same stupid green outfit all by himself with no friends to talk to. Hmm. Here to discuss this and more, we have Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America, which you can find right here on Blaze TV, and Justin Haskins, who is, of course, from the Heartland Institute, but more importantly, the Great Reset co-author. And I, I have to tell you this. Mm -hmm. I noticed, Justin, I, I want to talk about your book later, but I did notice, I saw the cover, 
Glenn Beck's name is very large. Mm. It is large. It looms large over all of us. It Even does. though you have more letters, his name is bigger. It, yeah, that, it is. That's true. We're working on it. We're working up font sizes every every book. Every book. I figure by the time we get to book 20 in the series, we might be equal. Equal. Good luck with that. I got news for you. I've been around a long time. Doesn't get, you don't get there. Um, so I, I just, you know, it's just fascinating to watch this evolution. I mean, I guess you should expect Zelensky to be this entitled because he's received all of this funding for, like, nothing just because uh, the United States wants to, f- to fund a proxy war. You know, I don't expect him to be that entitled. I have to say. Really? I, I, if I think, put yourself in this position for a minute. Like, okay, a giant country invades your country. As Kamala told us, there's one big country, yes. one small country. Yeah. and one. So you see, so you see, Russia. Um, and so this goes on. And you, you are trying to defend your homeland, right? If you're in that position and you realize without the help of the United States and Great Britain and so many others that you would have literally no chance in this battle. And this would be over in, you know, 20 minutes. Um, if you knew that. I, all I would be saying is thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would know another English word. <laughs> I would just continually say thank you, thank you, thank you all the time. And that is what I, sh- what I expect from him on this. You know, like I, I, there's a lot of questions I have uh, as to where this funding is going, how it's being utilized, if it's going to do any good in the end, how much are we going to spend um, uh, on pursuing this thing that may not you know, really move the needle at all. There's a lot of real questions you have on this. But we shouldn't be questioning whether we should be thanked or not. Uh, the question, the answer to that is yes. We've done a lot for this. We've been able to, uh, you know, I think help them stop this, uh, the overrun of their country, which probably would have been over already without our support. It's not our job to come in and help them. We obviously at some level think that it benefits us. And we were saying that it, it you know, obviously stopping Russia. There are, I can understand some of the arguments right. for that. But at the end of the day, they should be we should have, you know, statues to uh, to uh, of American leaders all over this country when this thing is over. If if the country still stands, because we're really the only reason that it is at this point. And instead, I, I can't remember which Republican it was, but there is a Republican uh, here in Congress who proposed that we have a bust of Zelensky displayed at our capital. Sounds like a Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham idea yeah, to me. It wasn't Lindsey Graham. <laughs> it wasn't Lindsey Graham. Uh, it sounds South like Carolina, a Lindsey Graham I think. Idea. I can't remember who it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel much more sympathy for the regular person in Ukraine, like the mom who we right. saw in the video clip. She doesn't care about any of it. It's just, it's just a... I need help. I'm, we're drowning here. And I, I just need someone to help us. And that's very sympathetic. I, I get it. But there are people in all over the world fighting in conflicts mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. that we don't even think about giving exactly. money to, that we can't possibly engage with all the time. There are people sitting in prison camp, a million of them, in, in Xinjiang province in China. We're not doing anything about that. Instead, we're actually financing that indirectly. NBA games yeah, there. <laughs> I, exactly. And so it's like, I, I understand, but at the same time, it isn't our war. It just isn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad it's not our war. And, and so it's, it's incredibly complicated in that sense. But in another way, we cannot be the world's policemen. If we've learned anything from the past, what, half century or longer, it's that 
Every time we try to be the world's policeman, lots of other problems happen, and so we can't do that. And frankly, this is a European problem much more than it is an American problem, right? They're much closer to the action. I can see why they would say, well, God, we can't have, we can't have Russia just invading European countries. Yeah, that makes sense to me, right? But would Europe be helping us if you know, Mexico was being invaded by some Central American country and we were trying to stop that or something. No, they wouldn't care at all. And Great Britain, I was one of the things that's amazing about this is $100 billion, that's how much we've committed to Ukraine, $100 billion. The next closest country is the UK with six. So it's 100 billion and six. It seems to me like this is unequal at this point. And it always is. It, it always, always is. is, right? It always is. And whenever um, it's unwanted uh, by someone, it's like, oh, well, what are you, you pointed out, what do you want to be the world's policeman? Maybe the United States should stay out of everyone's business. And now all of a sudden it's like, no, you need to fund our entire lives. Yeah. yeah. Every second of it. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like prayer, like every atheist on their deathbed is praying all of a sudden. This is what happens yeah. in the United States. We don't want you around. Get out. We don't want your influence. Please come. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, and I, I think we have to look at this as a, a nation, right? There is, I think, some. We are in NATO, right? There is some. Uh, I like having a buffer country between Russia and NATO. I really hope Ukraine exists because of that reason, largely. Other reasons as well. And if you look at the list of priorities, the things you want to happen, somewhere on that list are like everyday Ukrainians who are, if I, if I were in that country, I would be fighting, uh, I, you know, I, I mean, I, they probably just kicked me out of the army, but I mean, people <laughs> with any ability would be fighting for everything that they had because it, it's your homeland. It would be important. If this happened, if Mexico did invade here, we would all really care and we would all be begging everyone for help and i understand that motivation i really do but like from our calculation here we have to look at what is best for our country that's how this works and honestly the thing i am most concerned about here is not uh russian territory gains or losses or ukrainian gains or losses or even how much money we're spending here which is a big concern of mine my concern right now is that we have joe freaking biden in control of a situation that could easily at any moment escalate until world war three i'm worried about Missiles flying from Moscow and hitting San Diego and hitting Chicago. I am legitimately concerned about this because right now we have two things in the way of that scenario. One is Joe Biden's competence. How do you guys feel com comfortable with that being one of the barriers? The other one, which actually at this point seems slightly more reliable, is Vladimir Putin and his restraint. Which, by the way, he doesn't have a lot of it. <laughs> I don't have any faith in that either. But the fact that we keep going on TV going like, yeah, we're going to send some cluster bombs over there and he hasn't yet fired is at least showing some level of restraint. Yeah, very, very minor. Um, you know, the, the idea that, you know, Vladimir Putin wants to stay in power, doesn't want his entire society nuked is the only thing really keeping us out of this right now, because I have no faith mm -hmm. in honestly any of our leaders to navigate a situation uh, this this uh, uneasy. I mean, Reagan in his prime, all right, maybe we roll the dice with that, but even that's a difficult situation. Yeah, I mean, nuclear, I don't know how it's good for Europe for a nuclear power to go to war with another nuclear power in Europe. <laughs> that's not good, that's yeah. not good yeah. for anybody. So I just don't, it just doesn't, it's extremely unfortunate that Ukraine is in the situation that it's in, in many ways. But the reality is, I don't see how this all this already horrible situation will get better by having a nuclear power continue to escalate things with another 
unstable nuclear power that is just begging to have an excuse to nuke somebody or or escalate the war even further. It just it makes no sense yeah. for us to do this. Well, I mean, you, you're talking about Joe Biden's competency and you're concerned about it. I don't know what would cause you to say that, Stu. He just um, could it be that almost all of these things haven't worked so far. Right. Like we, really? everything we've tried, we try all these uh, financial uh, situations. We had all these countries pull out of the uh, out of Russia. They seem to still be able to do this. They've now gone behind our back to places like Russia, or excuse me, China and India, which really hurts us. I mean, like, we need to be friends with India in particular, especially if we're not going to have China on our side. We really need to be friends with India. They're now doing business uh, with Russia. You look at the, the, the war situation. How many red lines have we crossed? We weren't going to send tanks. We weren't going to send planes. We weren't going to send cluster munitions. We weren't going to do all these things. We've now done many of those things. Each time, just giving Vladimir Putin and the people who are farther, even more extreme than Putin around him, another bite at the apple to say, why are we denying these people are at war with us? This is ridiculous. This is not a proxy war. This is them. They're on the ground giving targeting information to the Ukrainians. We are on the ground. We are helping them with every little aspect of this. And I understand the motivation. Some people, I think, really do have good motivation to help. But some don't. And I'm worried this is going to spiral out of control. Well, on Biden's competency, he he is at the NATO summit. And um, so good news is that he does have four full days, the White House says. They say he has four full days of official business and he's preparing for a big speech. Therefore, he can't be attending the dinner. So he, he's got to rest up, I think. I mean, he has four full days. Yeah. And as we know, the reports uh, have surfaced that he does, they try to keep his work only between the hours of 12 and four. Mm-hmm. So between 12 and four, four full days, that's a lot of work for Joe Biden. So he unfortunately did miss the uh, the dinner with world leaders again. Although at this point, I don't know that I want him going to those dinners. Like I don't, I'm actually call, calling this a win. Yeah. Because he just, he's fair. just embarrassing. Yeah, he is embarrassing. I don't know why we're, com- we shouldn't be complaining about this. Yeah. We yeah. should be calling for less Joe Biden. <laughs> Let's just lock him back. I miss the, the basement Joe Biden days when yeah. he never left the basement. Yeah. Well, that's what we need. Go back to that. It was funny because um, the there was a report the other day that he was on vacation again. And they're like almost 40% of his time in office has been spent on vacation. And I was like, great. Oh, make it 80. Send him to the beach right. 99% of the time 100 percent of the time i i'm not complaining about joe biden not being at work anymore oh, i think the, one of the best parts of the biden presidency was him trying to take his shirt off in the beach chair that was great like i that was like i was like that's a battle like look at him he he might win that one eventually and and you know after about 26 minutes that shirt was off and it was impressive and that i want more of that joe biden less of the one that's screwing everything up and I, honestly the more time i mean 12 to 4 too long get this i do 12 to 12 15 Get him a couple things. If he needs to come in there, say hello to a couple people, then get him back on break. You know, let him go back and watch, like, you know, people's court or whatever he does in the afternoons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it was a dinner. So, I mean, yeah, he's 4 asleep. o'clock is right, dinner right, time. Right. So unless unless it was at 4, right. and I'm guessing it wasn't. It was, it was not probably around special. 7 or something. <laughs> That's well past dinner time. He's conked out. It goes yeah. 4 o'clock dinner, pudding, Matlock bed. Yes. Every day. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more, but we want to thank our sponsor, Birch Gold. So, um, look, you know, we're talking about um, things are not going well if you live in America, specifically with inflation. And if you, you know, have a 401k or, or whatever, you have this money that you go in and look. And um, 
I don't recommend going like on a daily basis because it's not going to be good. You just keep seeing it uh, constantly get devalued and just your retirement, you know, just kind of dwindling away. Don't do that. Might I suggest that you go talk to the people over at Birch Gold. Uh, they, you know, they can help you diversify in gold and silver. So what they can do is, you can, I mean, you can do physical gold, but you can also hold the gold in a tax-sheltered retirement account. So uh, all I'm saying, I'm not a financial advisor. I can tell you this. I just did it like a month ago. Um, we, I got with the folks over at Birch Gold and we heavily diversified into more gold and silver. And I'm just suggesting that you go talk, just talk to them, get their no obligation info kit on gold. Talk to them and find out if it's right for you. You can text the word Y to 989898 for that information kit. That is the word Y, W-H-Y, to 989898. I think a congratulations is in order here because uh, very lucky 140 residents in Evanston, Illinois, this is a uh, suburb of Chicago, will be receiving $25,000 from the government by the end of this year. Now, you might be asking yourself, why? Well, they have melanin in their skin. Quite a bit of melanin in their skin, actually. So congratulations, black people wow. in Evanston. Is melanin some sort of environmental toxin that I didn't know about? What it, melanin, you mean the stuff that, that changes it's, the color of your skin? Yes. Well, yes, because if you're black, you get reparations now oh, okay. in Evanston. Now, now there, are some, uh, there are some qualifications, okay? Um, you had to be at least 18 years old and residing in the city between 1919 and 1969, and also you have to be black. How do they define black, I wonder? Mm. How would you? I don't know. How would one? <laughs> I wouldn't. Right. And like, is there a certain percentage that you have to be? These seem certain to be skin tone, right? These seem like. A, you know? Can you be mocha? Can you be? If you have one black parent, one white parent. Does that qualify you? Uh, if you're from Jamaica, does that qualify you? What if you're from Africa? Mm, you're right. And you moved there. You had to be there for, just. Period. So basically, they're saying this isn't reparations for slavery. This is reparations for. Like the systemic, systemic racism. Systemic racism. I think. I, I. So what this is is the systemic racism that existed before the fair housing laws uh, uh, took place. Which that's why the 1969 is it's capped out at 1969. Now, of course, there are uh, civil civil rights activists who are saying that, like, well, that's that's still not fair because of all the systemic racism that has occurred post Fair Housing Act that we have had to endure, right. we deserve it too. Well, this is progressivism though, and what's important here is to get your foot in the door, right? Mm -hmm. You just need to be able to, to argue and get maybe through the courts the idea that you can pay people based on the color of their skin. And if you can do that, then this will open up all sorts of new possibilities past 1969 for all sorts of different minorities and, and, and everything else. When you make skin color the most important thing in your society, these are the results of that. Uh, and I, I, I happen to be a person who thinks it should be the least important thing in our society. <laughs> I thought we all agreed on really? that until like two Tuesdays ago. That and sounds then, racist. Yeah, it did. Now it does, apparently. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was reading, uh, we did a show earlier this week uh, on some of the Supreme Court stuff, and I was reading the Clarence Thomas uh, concurrence in that uh, affirmative action case. And he just lays it out so clearly. He has such moral clarity on it. Obviously, he went through a period where racism was much, much more intense than it, than it is today. And he talked about how our color, he uses the word colorblind several times 
And it's the a word that the left now hates. Colorblind used to be the utopian goal, a goal that we all sort of recognize we'd never really get there as a society because not everyone's, everyone's perfect. But we were, of course, striving for that. Now they're saying being colorblind is the enemy. You are on the wrong side of this issue. You're a hater. You're a racist if you actually want to ignore the color of their skin. Like, I keep coming back, and I, I, whenever I talk to somebody about this who's on the left, I always ask them the same question, which is, I'm sure, very annoying at parties, which is like, <laughs> let me just state my position, and you tell me where you disagree with it. Okay, here it goes. You should never, ever, in your entire life, make a decision based on skin color. Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Tell me. Tell me what you think is wrong with that platform, because that is now the conservative mm-hmm. platform. Mm-hmm. And the left one is the opposite. We should always make decisions based on skin color. They're only changing one word. It's never and always. And that's the world they want to uh, put into effect. And this is this is just a baby, baby example of them trying to get in the, the foot in the door on reparations. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to go to one more reparations story here. This uh, California bill, this is AB 852, that was, um, so it was proposed in February of this year, and it's one step closer to allowing state judges to consider the factor of race in sentencing of criminals. It passed the state assembly in May, and so now it's going through the committee in the state Senate. And so it reads as follows. This bill would state the intent of the legislature to rectify racial bias as specified. The bill would require courts, whenever they have discretion, to determine a sentence to consider the disparate impact on historically disenfranchised and system-impacted populations. So now, not only are we going to give people money for we don't know what, right? Like we haven't quite worked out. It seems kind of arbitrary here, as you guys were pointing out. We are also now going to consider skin color in a judge now is like, well, was the crime heinous? What, you know, like, did, did you kill someone? Was it heinous? Was it all these things? Yes, but you're black. So I'm going to go a little easy on you. Yeah. I mean, that's, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, obviously, this is insane. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we can just preface everything that out of the way. <laughs> but l- logically, if you believe that the system is so racist and so horrible that people are being just unjustly grabbed off the street and thrown into prison, and that the system is so rotten to the core that it can't possibly judge people fairly, the juries can't be fair, the media's racist, everyone's racist, then it's almost like, I mean, this is the logical outflow of that argument. The police are racist, the judicial system's racist, society in general is racist. You can't have a functioning society with this view in reality and actually logically apply policies. It's just not only that, but just what is this going to do to crime? I wonder. I mean, when you start telling people, hey, the world is so systemically racist that you can actually commit horrible crimes, but we'll give you a little bit of a break at least and maybe let you off entirely because the world's been completely unfair to you anyway. It's not even really your fault in the Mm -hmm. first place. I don't understand that. And the, uh, the most amazing thing about all these reparation stories is that fundamentally the issue is we're saying to the, the people who advocate for this are saying there was an injustice that happened and we need to repair that injustice by doing these other things, by giving people money and by, in this case, giving people a break right on their prison sentence or something like that. 
But by doing that, you are creating more injustice for other people. Mm -hmm. So now some person who had nothing to do with slavery, nothing to do with fair housing laws and Evanston, Illinois, but happens to live in Evanston now, is paying reparations to someone who they didn't do anything to, right? So now they're paying that. Well, that's an injustice, right? And now some victim of a crime is now facing injustice because their assailant or whatever, the person who committed that crime, is getting let off the hook a little bit better because of that. So there's more injustice there. So now are we creating a situation where in 20 years those people have a legitimate argument that they deserve some kind of reparation to repair from the previous reparations that happened for other groups. This is madness. This is why nobody in the periods of time, African Americans, who were the leading civil rights advocates, whether you can go to Frederick Douglass, you can go to all sorts of other people, none of them thought that stuff like this was a really good idea. Most of them said, no, we just want to be treated equally. We need to repair the damage that's been caused. We need to move forward and focus on that. Instead, it seems like the left wants to just create more injustice to fix injustice that happened before. Mm -hmm. That is never a good, you, you can't fix racism with more racism. Right. It's, they've stated it outwardly though, right? This is Ibram Kendi to a T. He yep. said the only way to solve past discrimination is present discrimination. The only way to solve present discrimination is future discrimination. Now he's gone back in his latest edition of this book and edited his own words because people kept using them because he was the one person who really stated what you just said clearly. He admitted it. Yes, we want to discriminate against white people because we were discriminated in the past. Even though those white people that we're discriminating against today, we're not the same people. They had nothing to do with it. I Look, slavery is really bad. I think it's a terrible major government policy, we should point out, a government policy. The only government that can even put something in like that in place is a government that is too powerful for my taste. But like, I had nothing to do with it, okay? Innocent. I don't want it. I don't like it. I think it's a terrible policy and I had nothing to do with it. Wasn't even around for it. So I shouldn't be being punished for something that happened hundreds of years ago or decades before I was born. I should be punished for what I do. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing fundamentally I think that is at the bottom of this is the left does not want to see people as individuals. Yeah. They don't want to treat criminals as individuals. What crime did you commit? They want to treat, treat you as a member of a group and then we'll modify it based on your immutable characteristics. Right. It's a terrible and idea. What's so bizarre about this is like in Evanston is a, is a great example. You could have an African-American person who just moved to Evanston paying reparations to another African-American. Right. They don't get those reparations because they didn't live in Evanston during oh. the time period. Right. It's good. like this makes no sense. Right. This right. is so bizarre. You could be an Afghani refugee who, who suffered horrible crimes against humanity and you're paying reparations to someone for something that you had nothing to do with. Yeah. That is insane. It Don't is move insane. to Evanston. That's the, that's the rule. That yeah. is the... At least and we'll, we'll have a shrinking amount of towns you're allowed to move to. But Evanston, <laughs> stay away probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. But we want to thank our sponsor, Patriot Mobile. So, uh, look, every day the parallel economy grows bigger and bigger. More Americans are like, hey, you know what? We're kind of sick and tired of all the woke propaganda being jammed into like everything we're consuming and maybe you haven't thought about it but big mobile companies are really no different for years they've been dumping millions of dollars into leftist causes and you know you just felt like well i gotta take it because i need a cell phone what am i gonna do not have a cell phone i don't have an alternative 
Yes, you do. You can go to Patriot Mobile. They're America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They have dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks. So you're going to get the best possible service in your area without, you know, donating a portion of your bill, knowing that it's going to all of these left-leaning causes, okay? When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending a message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. And I would just like to say, you can keep your phone, you can keep your number if you would like. Also, the CEO of Patriot Mobile told me directly that they would, I was like, are you sure I can go to air with this? He's like, yes, that they would buy you out of your contract if you are in a contract. So don't let that be a hang up if you're in a contract. Contact them. You can get free activation today with the offer code news over at patriotmobile.com slash news. That is patriotmobile.com slash news. we get back into it, I want to remind you guys, if you have not yet seen, uh, we're not doing this show on Friday. I know. Also, Stu's not doing his show Unbelievable. on Friday. It's a travesty. Because. Oh, yeah, it's good things. We're going to be in Iowa. Mm-hmm. We're uh, teaming up with a family leader to host the first presidential forum of the 2024 primaries. It's going to be moderated by Tucker Carlson. Um, so it's going to be really huge. We've got Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, Mike Pence. Um, there's going to be other speakers as well. Stu's going to be on a panel. I'm going to be on a panel. Um, it's going to be uh, Steve Dace is going to be there. It's going to be really, really awesome. And you can tune in to all of the live coverage. But. If you go to blazemediasummit.com, use code SUMMIT for $30 off, you can become a Blaze subscriber, and you will then be able to watch the exclusive interview between Glenn Beck and Tucker Carlson, which I personally cannot wait for. So make sure you go to blazemediasummit.com, use promo code SUMMIT to get $30 off, and make sure that you can uh, can watch this exclusive interview. So I want to move over to uh, Megan Rapino. Did I say that correctly, control room? Rapino. You know what? I don't care if I said it correctly, actually, um, this, of the U.S. women's soccer team. She has now accused comedian Dave Chappelle of directly causing violence against transgender people by, you know, making <clears throat> jokes. So now jokes are directly causing violence against the community. She says, I don't want to mince words about it. Dave Chappelle making jokes about trans people directly leads to violence, whether it's verbal or otherwise, against trans people. Verbal? Yes. Okay. Verbal violence. Verbal violence. When Martina or Sage or whoever are talking about this, people aren't hearing it in the context of elite sports. They're saying, the rest of my life, this is how I'm going to treat trans people. And then, of course, went on with the typical, you know, jargon of, I support the trans community. I actually would be in favor of biological men taking over the U.S. women's soccer team, which I feel like conveniently she is advocating for after she has announced that she will no longer be a part of the team. <laughs> it's always amazing. <laughs> Not lost on me, Megan. Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh, it's so it's so amazing. I mean, first of all, verbal violence isn't a thing. We should we should note that wow, there's no such that thing as hateful. verbal violence. So sticks and stones may break our bones, mm-hmm. but names will never hurt us. Did you just make that up? Yeah, I thought that was. I've never a, heard of that. Really, I think you know we all heard that when we were four, but for some reason we've all forgotten it uh, now. Words are not violence. That's actually not true. That's uh, postmodern nonsense. It's not true at all. And you know, of course, the the rest of this interview is just as incoherent as the play. <laughs> you mentioned the part where she says, "Oh, it's I'm okay having." Uh, uh, she, she says trans women play because I see trans women as real women. No, you don't. 
Right. No, you don't. If you saw them as real women, you wouldn't call them trans women. You just call them women, women, right? Like you're identifying that they're different than women. What's the reason? Oh, I don't know. Could it be their genitals? I don't know. Could it huh. be? Um, what's fascinating about this is one of the defenses, and we hear this all the time when we're talking about the, the trans people in women's sports thing, is there's a defense of like small numbers, right? And it's an, it's an accurate defense. Very few people Almost nobody would change genders to be good at sports on the other side. Almost no one would do it for that reason. And the people who do it are pretty small. It's a small percentage of the population, unless you go to Brown, where it's like 40%. Um, But like, (laughs) generally speaking, when you're talking about this, you're only talking about a few people. This happened in Utah when when they had uh, some back and forth on, on women's sports law. Some of the Republicans who are nice, they said, look, you're talking about a few people in high school. These are people going through something. We shouldn't target them. We shouldn't. And I understand that. Like, I can understand having empathy for people going through whatever the hell this is, because I'm, you know, it's it sounds very difficult. Um, At the other side of this, though, the the small numbers defense is really annoying, because what if it wasn't small numbers? What if, let's say, 95 percent of women's sports were men? Let's say it was 95. Let's just say you're right. Like these numbers that are blowing up at Brown and everywhere else around the country. Let's say that continues to the point where every man uh, winds up becoming a woman and then goes into women's sports and none of the women can make the team anymore. What would happen then? Would women just never play sports again? What would happen? Probably what would happen is someone would create a actual women's sports league and we'd be back at the same place that we were supposed to be for the past hundred years. Uh, This is crazy and it's like there's this uh, competition between trying to hit these narratives and make everybody feel good and be, you know, be the good liberal that you are. This just gives you those points. None of this is real, though. She doesn't believe trans women are women. She believes maybe that we should be nice to them and we should do all these special things for them or whatever. They should get certain treatments that I don't agree with. Whatever there are. We have disagreements there, but we do agree. She knows it in the quiet of her brain. She knows what she is saying is a lie and it's something that she's manufacturing for either politics or to make people who she thinks are going through a difficult time feel good. Either way, it's not the truth. And that needs to be the priority. I don't know. I think maybe the hair dye just rotted her brain. Okay. (laughs) It's a a shorter explanation for sure. Shorter explanation. (laughs) The verbal violence comment in particular was incredible, especially in light of the fact that she, in the quote, specifically mentioned two people. One is Sage Steele and another one is Martina, right? So she's referring to two women, okay? Mm -hmm. So these are women who are not like railing against transgenderism people generally, okay? And they're not saying anything violent or calling for violence. They're just saying it's not fair. That's all they're saying. So now just saying something as simple as, you know, I don't think it's fair. So think of all the women who have said this Mm -hmm. all over the country. Think of the millions of women who are guilty of verbal violence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's just violent criminals all around us, apparently. That's astounding to even make that claim. And then again, the logical, where do you go from that then? If they're guilty of verbal violence, what do you do? You just say, well, freedom of, no, it's violence. I'm waiting for a police officer to come arrest me. Mm. You're you're a monster who will surely be dragged away. (laughs) Oh, and we will tell them your location immediately. (laughs) We will be on the front line. Sarah's that way. Go find her. Uh, But it's true. And not not to mention Martina Davrilova, 
is an L in the mm. LGBT. She's one of the leading L's. She's someone who who trailblazed yeah. every part of this movement when you know Megan Rapinoe or Rapinoe or whatever she is, you know, had no wasn't even born right, and yet you, they can still turn on her just mm. for wanting women to have a place to compete in sports. J.K. Rowling, same thing. Same I thing. mean, she was a huge advocate of LGBTQ stuff, and then all of a sudden she was a monster for saying. I the don't truth. buy into this. Verbal yeah. violence, which I think, I know we got to go to break here, but I, I do think the verbal violence is what uh, made trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney flee the United States. He is now in Peru, where he says, uh, you know, he says he's no longer safe in the U.S., so he had to go over to Peru. He's been documenting this whole charade on TikTok, and um, I, w- I want to play just a little bit of uh, what that looks like. Um, shield your eyes, or at least this is a, a warning here if we have that video. Yes, no, maybe, there it is. Um, I've seen a lot of llamas <laughs> and the people here are so kind. I feel very safe here. It's a little sad that I had to leave my country to feel safe, but that will get better eventually. And- uh, he also stated that he has partaken in shaman ceremonies that he says, quote, were like 10 years worth of therapy. You should check the laws in Peru while he's there. They do not allow same-sex marriage. Mm. Yeah. Among other I things. I do know that. Yeah. I do know that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, he's in for a kind of an awakening, I yeah. guess, maybe. You know, everyone likes to say it's better somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. Look at the, that. Every, Look at that stupid so, guy. So stupid. What a stupid world we're in right now. But I will say this. In this world, I'd like to be here. This is the place to be. And when people complain about the U.S., it's always important to follow up mm-hmm. as opposed to... To what? And if you're as opposed to Peru, where they have far fewer rights and a much worse situation uh, for LGBTQ freedom than we do here in the United States, uh, you realize that this is just stupidity, right? Like this is just a, a heaping pile of stupidity uh, foisted upon us every single day. And thank you for bringing that to us, sir. You know, we have the uh, hard-hitting stuff here at the News and Why It Matters. You do. So, mm-hmm. you're welcome. Um, we got to take another quick break, but we want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. So, if you are one of the millions of Americans, you just live in constant pain, and you think, like, well, that's just the way life is now, might I suggest that you try Relief Factor? It Will is not... Relief really fa- Factor treat verbal violence? No. Okay. It won't. I didn't think so. I'm sorry. I knew there was a hole in this somewhere. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It will not help if you have been verbally uh, (laughs) violenced against, but you can try it if you have any physical pain, and it's going to actually target the inflammation in your body that is the source of the pain. So if you rub a topical cream on for like 10 minutes and you're like, wow, this feels really good, and then it goes away, and then you're back in pain again, you don't want to live like that. Try Relief Factor. It works in 70% of the people who take it. They keep ordering it because it's working for them. So try the three-week quick start. You'll know if it's going to work for you by the end of this trial pack. It's $19.95 and you can get it at relieffactor.com. That is relieffactor.com. The California Assembly's Public Safety Commission has shut down a bill which would have made human trafficking of a minor a serious felony with two-time offenders possibly facing life in prison. But that will no longer happen because of this particular committee. This is HB 14 is the bill. And it, by the way, noted that California consistently ranks number one in the nation in the number of human trafficking cases reported to the National Human Trafficking Hotline. And human trafficking is among the world's fastest growing criminal enterprises and it is estimated to be uh, like $150 billion a year global industry. And it passed through the California Senate unanimously, which, by the way, means that Scott Weiner voted in favor of it. Wow. Right? 
State Senator in California, Scott Wiener, who is like literally the worst on all of these groomer bills, actually agreed that this was a bad thing and maybe we should make it a more serious crime. And this particular uh, committee, would the, the six Democrats wouldn't even vote on the bill. So there were two yes votes. They were both Republicans. And um, by the way, KCRA, which is a local news source over there, said that uh, the committee has also rejected other measures that would increase penalties for domestic violence offenders, rapists of developmentally disabled children, and other sexually violent crimes. What the hell are you guys smoking in California? What? Like, I understand they're gone, but they're like gone, gone in that state. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, they, they elected Gavin Newsom multiple times. Uh, so, yes, they are absolutely gone. Uh, I'm going to be talking about this on Studios America tonight. And you know, one of the things as I was thinking about it, which is fascinating here, is that there's a boiling this down for the politics of it for just a second. There's something that happens to many people when you have, you know what your side is like, you know what the other side is like, and you, you realize you don't trust the other side sometimes. And sometimes they take a position and you, I don't know, like I think it happens where like, you're like, well, you know what, if they're for it, mm-hmm. I'm against, against it. it. The fact that this has played out yeah. where we're like, hey, we're conservatives, we're against child trafficking. Yeah. And they're like, well then we're for it. <laughs> we're gonna vote down every attempt to make it illegal. We're gonna be shipping in kids from all over the world. How that happened, I mean, that gift has fallen in the lap of every conservative, and it's hilarious. I, I know it's a really serious issue. It really is but true. it's bonkers. Like, they are, like, going against this movie, you know, the Tim yep. Ballard movie, yep. and they're just Sounds like, well, I can't believe these QAnon people. It's like, wait, you guys won't even, I mean, these used to be in traditional news reporting all the time. We all agreed for a, wa- a long time, child trafficking, really serious and really bad. You can argue about some of the statistics around it, some of the, ser- like how widespread it is. There's some debates on that that are um, academically interesting, but the, we should all be really united that like, this stuff needs to stop and we need to do anything we can to stop it. And the left is like, well, if you are trying to stop child trafficking, you're a QAnon person. <laughs> that, that, I did not see it twisting that way. It's a very, it's a very, it's a, you think a bad political position to stake out, mm. but the left seems to be very dedicated to it at this point. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 fun fact, fun fact about this. Earlier we had a story about reparations where yes. we're letting people off on the basis of race and other things like that or reducing their sentences. The same person who introduced that legislation yes. is the head of the committee that's killing oh this, yes. bill. this bill. Yep. Can't make this stuff up. Yep. Incredible. Yep. Rep Reggie something. I call him Reg. Right. So. <laughs> Reg. You know. Reg. Thanks a lot, Reg. Way to groom children, Reg. <laughs> Is that how you say it too? That's how I often say it, yeah. (laughs) All right, we gotta take a break. We'll be right back. (laughs) All right, Justin, you just wrote the great, uh, what is this, the dark future, the, uh, why can I not speak? The sequel, thank you, the sequel to The Great Reset. Right. Uh, It is out now, yes? Yes, Okay. now. And there's the cover of it. I noticed there's, wow, that is very dark and foreboding. Tell us about it. Yeah, it is dark and foreboding. Um, I think it's one of these books that I, I think you have to read if you really want to understand what's going on in the world today and what, and more importantly, what's going on, what's going to happen in the future. Um, this book is focused, unlike almost any other book that you're going to find on the market, the, the, this book is focused on how um, 
emerging technologies mm -hmm. like artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. cryptocurrencies, quantum computing, a whole bunch of other stuff, which I know sounds boring, but I assure you it's not, um, is being embedded with woke ideology, with ESG, with social credit scores, and how it's all being designed to control people. How there is a real plan put into place by the Davos crowd, by Klaus Schwab, how Joe Biden is involved in all of this, or at least his handlers. Mm -hmm. um, all of these people working together to design the future so that you don't have any freedom. That's what this book is all about. And the quotes, the amount of research, we spent literally a year and a half putting this book together, 1,200 citations, incredible, incredible quotes that you wouldn't even believe people actually are saying uh, on the record, admitting that they're using this technology, designing it to control people. It is it really incredible. And so Glenn and I are hoping that you get your hands on a physical copy of it. Yeah. Don't rely on a digital copy. And, and you uh, can do that yeah. at newbeckbook.com. Highly suggest you guys get that. It's look, it's a little depressing, but it's where we're at. So you got to know where we're at. You can go there today. Thanks, Justin. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.